beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Lord's Prayer, the Lord Jesus teaches us how to pray to our Heavenly Father. He has taught us what we need to pray for and what is most important to pray for. He points us to the glory of God's name as being our most important need. He has also taught us to pray for the coming of God's kingdom so that his rule would be established in this world more and more. He has taught us to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray for these things because they are ultimately in the Lord's hands. He alone can bring about the perfect hallowing of his name, the coming of his kingdom, and the doing of his will. We are only servants and instruments in his hands for the furtherance of his kingdom. We love the Lord and are concerned about the promotion of his name and kingdom in this world. We know that we live in a fallen and sinful world and therefore desire with all of our heart that his will shall be done in this world. That there would come a decisive change more and more in the hearts of men so that more and more people would forsake their wicked way and serve him alone. This desire for the hallowing of God's name, the coming of his kingdom, and the doing of his will also works itself out in the last two petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. When we ask the Lord to forgive our debts, then we acknowledge before the Lord that we do not always do his will or glorify his name as we should but instead increase our debt and do what is displeasing in his sight. And therefore, we need the Lord's forgiveness and grace. He will show his mercy and kindness towards us when we show genuine sorrow and contriteness of heart. He will forgive our sins when we seek forgiveness on the basis of the work of Jesus Christ, the only Savior. And now in the last petition, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We confess how easy it is for us to fall away from doing the will of the Lord. We confess that we need help in living a Christian life that is pleasing to the Lord. This petition acknowledges that the Christian life is a difficult struggle and a war that needs to be waged constantly with no let-up. There is never time to relax or take a holiday from our spiritual battles. The evil one and our enemies never cease to attack us, as we confess in the Catechism. Jesus Christ taught us this petition so that we might receive what we need to be vigilant in the Lord's service and to wage the war we need to wage. I proclaim to you God's word under the following theme. Pray to the Lord for victory in the spiritual war against our enemies. To pray this prayer, we need to know first our weakness, second our enemies, and third God's power. 
In the explanation that the Catechism gives of this petition, it begins, In ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. We need to be aware of just how weak we are by ourselves. We are not able to deliver ourselves from the power of our enemies, and we are not able to stand in the hour of temptation in our own strength. We are so weak in ourselves that we would always be ensnared by the evil one if God did not help us and give us relief, comfort, and deliverance through Jesus Christ, his Son. We may experience deliverance as we confess in Lord's Day 1 only because of the power and might and strength of Jesus Christ who delivered us from the evil one. We need to know of ourselves that we are unable to stand against the evil one. If we are not aware of how weak we are, we will think that we can stand. But then we will most certainly fall. For it is when we think that we are strong that we show ourselves to be weak by falling for the temptations of the evil one. There are so many examples also in Scripture that show that pride in oneself comes before the fall. Samson began to rely upon his great strength itself rather than on the Lord. And as a result, he let his hair be cut and forgot the vow he had made to keep before the Lord. He fell because he thought he was so strong. Or think of David, who became proud of his own armies and therefore was led into temptation by counting the fighting forces of Israel. He thought that he could rely upon his own strength and that he would need to make sure that Israel stayed protected through his own power and force of numbers. But then the Lord punished him for his sin, and great calamity fell upon Israel. The Apostle Peter thought that he would never deny the Lord, that he would be strong in the hour of temptation. But shortly after those brave words, he denied his Lord three times. He realized his sin, went out and wept bitterly. It can be so easy for us to think that we are strong, to think that we will never fall into a particular sin because we suppose that we don't feel its attraction or because we think that we have already overcome it. But then we fall and we are shown our own weakness. If you think that you are strong, beware lest you fall. We cannot go through life simply relying on our own strength and on our own weapons in the battle against our enemies because then they will prove too strong for us and we will be overwhelmed. When we trust in ourselves and in our abilities, then our focus is no longer on the Lord. But the reality is that we are not strong in ourselves and we will fall when our foundation is not our rock, the Lord our God. 
Although the Lord has begun a new work in us through his Spirit, the present reality is that we have not yet reached perfection. And the struggle for holiness in our actions and kindness and love towards others is difficult, and we often stumble. Our spirits may be willing, but our flesh is weak. It is not only as individuals, but also as a church community that we need to pray this prayer and lead us not into temptation. We need to pray this prayer together so that we might also be able to encourage each other and be accountable to one another in the fight against sin. We must not think that we can easily stand on our own as individuals or as a community, but we need to remind each other of the need for prayer and seek the Lord's strength in our desire to be holy to Him and to fight against sin and temptation. We need to constantly bring our situation before the Lord and ask Him for strength and victory through the power of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is when the church is on its knees praying for strength that the evil one trembles in fear. Being conscious of our weakness leads to humility and a right reliance upon the Lord in the spiritual war that we are involved in. But before we pray for strength and victory from the Lord, we also need to make sure that we understand who the enemy actually is. And so we come to the second point. We read from the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where he encourages and warns the believers to realize the full impact of the struggle against our enemies. Who are these enemies? What is the nature of the struggle that we're involved with? In verse 12, Paul writes that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not fight against our own kind, fellow human beings in this conflict, which rages without any stopping. Paul had just been talking about the full armor of God in verse 11. That is what the believer must put on if he is to survive in this conflict. The battle in which the believer is involved is serious business. He must not underestimate it. It is so serious that he needs the full armor of God. The struggle is not to be considered a mere wrestling match between equal combatants. In Greek times, wrestling was a popular sport in the arena, and the contestants battled it out with their bare hands. It was a man-to-man -man contest to test each other's strength and agility. It was a true test unencumbered by other equipment. But the struggle which we face in our Christian life is far more serious than a wrestling match between men of equal strength. The enemy is not just another man who may be devious and crafty as well as strong and agile. Rather, the enemy is the devil, that archangel who fell into the pit of pride and greed over against God. 
The devil is the master deceiver, and he has many allies in the invisible and visible worlds. Satan and all his minions are bent upon destroying those who are members of God's family. He will stop at nothing and will employ every scheme and trick in his possession to cause us to fall. In our text, the variety of the assailants which he has, the assistance which he has is emphasized. Our text is, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against people like you and I, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These different names of groups do not designate different classes of demons, as some say, but rather they show different aspects of the power of the evil forces which are arrayed against the forces of good. The evil forces are the ones who are presently in control of the world in which we live. They are the rulers and authorities. They are the ones who determine how things should be run and who is in power. We can see this very visibly in our own day and age with the control which the generally godless media has over our thinking. They are relentless in promoting sinful lifestyles whether of sexual immorality or of greed for money or of exalting physical appearance or attributing great importance to sports or twisting the truth to suit their agenda or promoting fear and anxiety in various ways. And we do not need to be reminded of the policies which governments promote that are contrary to God's word. It really does seem that the prince of darkness is the one who calls the shots in this sinful world in which we live. It is the powers of darkness, the powers of this dark age and world against whom the battle has to be waged. These powers will do everything they can to envelop the entire world in the darkness of their thinking. In the last part of the description of these forces, Paul speaks of them most plainly as the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul refers here to specific evil spiritual forces, the angels of darkness, who are subservient to Satan, their commander-in-chief. They are to be found in the heavenly realms, This does not mean that they live in heaven where God is. No, they have been expelled from heaven and are no longer permitted in God's presence. Rather, the reference to heavenly realms shows that the invisible forces are meant, the evil spirits which cannot be detected by mankind. We are flesh and blood and can only perceive others who are also flesh and blood. Unless the Lord opens our eyes and allows us to see into the heavenly places. Because we are unable by ourselves to see into the heavenly places, many today deny that such places exist. 
but from Scripture we know better. And we must take the warnings of Scripture to heart. For in fact, the spiritual forces of evil are very powerful, and their influence is very great in this world. They exert their great power against us who are God's people. Therefore, be forewarned. Be aware of who the enemy is. We do not fight against those who are on our level, but against a master strategist who will use every trick he has to ensnare us. Let us never underestimate him, but always be on our guard. This war is intense, even though it often does not seem so spectacular, even though it can seem mundane and very ordinary. This war is waged when we sit in front of our computer and decide which website to visit. This war is waged when we decide how we will speak to our children or our spouse. This war is waged on the school bus and the playground when we decide how to treat our classmates and whether to bully someone. This war is waged when we decide how to spend our money and our time. This war is waged when we decide what kind of entertainment we will choose or what movie we will watch. This war is waged when we decide how to react to the present circumstances, whether to be fearful or to trust in our faithful Almighty Father. There is never a break from this war. And the spiritual forces of darkness are working hard to try and make us stumble. Be constantly on your guard, brothers and sisters, and recognize with great clarity just how serious this war is. The spiritual war in which we are engaged is a very bitter fight, which will be fought to the last hour and minute before complete victory is achieved by Jesus Christ when he returns on the clouds of heaven. In the meantime, be on the alert, for our opponents are much more crafty and skillful than we are when it comes to waging spiritual war. Never underestimate the devil. One of his favorite tactics is lulling us to sleep thinking that nothing is wrong with our spiritual life and all is well. We might be engaged in a sinful lifestyle which rarely seeks out God and rarely opens Scripture. And yet, because of certain outward conformities and traditions, we might think that there are no problems. But in the meantime, the evil one has gained a foothold in our life, and we are gradually slipping away without even realizing it. The devil and his helpers have centuries of experience when it comes to fighting the spiritual war. They have many tricky schemes to use against us who are so weak and inexperienced. Of ourselves, we are no match for the evil one and would certainly lose if the Lord was not on our side, if he was not always there for us each step of the way. In summary, the enemies against which we need to struggle are, as the Catechism puts it, the devil, the world, 
and our own flesh. The evil one has an ally right in our own hearts. Our sinful nature, which is still always there, even though we have received the Holy Spirit and are being molded after His image. Our sinful nature constantly tries to lead us away from the Lord and the service of Him. Therefore, we need to pray to the Lord for strength and help. He will most certainly give us these gifts when we ask Him in all sincerity and humility of heart. We can pray this petition with confidence because we know that the Lord will strengthen and uphold us by the power of the Holy Spirit as we confess in the Catechism. And so we come to the last point, that we can pray this prayer for victory against our enemies because we know God's power. It is only from the Lord that we receive what we need to be able to stand against the enemy. We can only be strong because of the Lord and His mighty power. The Apostle Paul uses the image of a Roman soldier and the equipment and armor which he would have had on in order to illustrate just how the armor of God will provide strength to the Christian who puts on this equipment of God and resists the evil one. There are six items which Paul mentions here which will help the Christian in the struggle against the evil one. The first piece of equipment is the belt of truth. The belt would hold the tunic of the soldier in place so that he would be able to move freely, to be able to fight. This spiritual struggle in which we as Christians are all engaged to this belt is the truth. We must always be careful to live and walk in the truth of God. Only then are we able to fight against the evil one. For one of his favorite tricks is to try and entrap us by lying and deceit. Think of how our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin. They believed the lie of the devil and left the truth of God. The command which he had given them not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. Because they left God's truth and did not live out of it, they fell into the devil's trap and became enslaved to sin. And therefore also in our battle, we must always live in God's truth. For in so many ways, the evil one will seek to manipulate and change what is true, twist things to his advantage. The possibilities are numerous for deception. And we can all think of examples in our own personal experience when we left the truth and fell for the lie of happiness or pleasure without God and became trapped in the devil's schemes. And our Christian life was certainly not the better for it. Therefore, buckle the belt of truth around your waist so that you will not trip over your long tunic and fall into the hands of the evil one. 
The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of a soldier was a vital piece of equipment since it protected his chest area with all the vital organs. Without a breastplate, a soldier would quickly fall in battle. So the Christian soldier must never neglect righteousness. Whose righteousness must we make our own? It can only be the righteousness of Christ. Our own righteousness will never help us in our struggle against the evil one. He will find our faults and taunt us and wound our conscience. But the devil cannot find anything bad to say about the righteousness of Christ, which is perfect before God. As Christians in our daily struggle against the forces of evil, let us never neglect to rely upon what Christ has done for us. The evil one will constantly seek to make us waver by reminding us of our sins, trying to make us despair. But in Christ, we may stand firm and blunt the devil's attacks. And in Christ and the power of what he has obtained for us, we may also grow in the righteousness which Christ has given us. For he has raised us up to a new life. Let us pray to the Lord so that we will be given what we need to be diligent in living out the implications of Christ's righteousness in our lives. Then we will not give the devil any chance to gain a foothold in our lives. Let us be ever vigilant and watchful and rely on Christ's gifts to us in the struggle against the evil one. The third piece of equipment are the shoes provided by the gospel of peace. The Roman soldier at the time had hobnailed sandals, which had long spikes on the bottom of the soles in order to give the soldier a firm foothold as he stood and defended the line. We never need to fear the onslaught of the evil one because he cannot triumph over us when we believe the gospel of salvation, the gospel that we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. Let us live out of this gospel of peace, for only then will we be able to resist the attacks of the devil, which seek to make us waver in the surety that we may have in Christ. May we be sure-footed because of the good news that we have been reconciled to God. The Almighty One has had compassion upon us and desires to dwell in us with His Holy Spirit in order to renew us and enable us to live before Him to His glory. May the evil one never take this solid foundation from us, but may it form the basis on which we stand in the struggle day by day. The fourth piece of equipment is the shield of faith. The pieces of equipment which have been mentioned so far are items attached to the body of the soldier. But now Paul speaks about the separate piece which the soldier had to pick up in order to defend himself in battle. 
The Roman soldiers at the time had large shields which covered most of their body. These shields would usually be covered with wet skins so that the flaming arrows which were shot at them by the enemy would be extinguished in the shield. And so the soldier would be protected from grave danger. The evil one and his demons are determined to use every kind of weapon against us, including direct, hard-hitting weapons which are designed to strike a mortal blow and make us fall. The hard-hitting weapons can be direct attacks upon us by people at work who mock us because of our faith, or can be students at school who make fun of us because we want to serve the Lord. It can be illness or a sudden death of someone dear to us. It can be temptations to do what is contrary to God's commandments in all areas of life. Through these things, the evil one seeks to make us fall in temptation. The only way that we can withstand these attacks is not by firing flaming arrows back at the devil. Such weapons are not in the arsenal the Apostle describes for us. But rather we are able to resist because of a true faith in Christ Jesus and a firm reliance on the promises of the Lord which He has made to us that He will never abandon us but will give us what we need in all circumstances of life. He will give us the strength to resist temptation and He will help us to deal with the difficult events which can come upon us. Rely on the Lord alone and He will never let you down. Remember your baptism and the promises which God gave to you at your baptism. Those promises are firm and sure, for they come from God Himself. Recall them when you may be plagued with doubts, when you may waver in your commitment. Remember that it was the Lord who chose you first and claimed you to be His child. Respond in faith and love to the God who loved you first. Take up the shield of faith and you will be protected from the devil's assaults. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. For a soldier, even nowadays still, a helmet is a very basic piece of equipment because it protects the head of the soldier. As Christians, we have been saved by the work of the Lord on our behalf. It is this salvation which the Lord has obtained for us through Christ which can make us safe during the devil's attacks. If we go into battle bareheaded, we will certainly go down into defeat and not survive. But when we make the salvation which Christ has brought about for us our own, then we will most certainly be kept safe. The last piece of equipment is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the only real weapon which can be found in this list of equipment. All the other items are defensive pieces of armor. 
The sword which is mentioned here is the short Roman sword which was used in man-to-man combat in close quarters. It is a weapon which can be used to help one stand and not give way before the pressures of enemy attack. We see this weapon in action when Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. After each temptation, after each attempt by the devil to make Christ fall, Jesus parried the attacks of the evil one by quoting a relevant part of Scripture, thereby matching Satan blow for blow. The Word of God, which is given to us by the Holy Spirit, is the only effective offensive weapon which we have in our struggle against the powers of darkness. Let us then read Scripture and meditate upon it every day. This is truly vital for our spiritual survival. This is the way in which the Spirit works faith in us. And this is where the Lord reveals to us all of His promises and blessings, His requirements, His exhortations and admonitions. It is by immersing ourselves in God's Word that we will be able to stand our ground against the attacks of the evil one. He constantly seeks to confuse us and muddy the waters, to trick us, make us fall. But if we are diligent in our use of Scripture and make it our own, then we will be able to see through the devil's clever attacks and stand firm in the struggles we face every day. It is through a renewed study of the Scriptures that the Reformers, Martin Luther and John Calvin and others, were able to lead the church back to the truth of the gospel of salvation through Christ alone. Today is Reformation Day, when we remember God's faithfulness to His church in calling her back from error to the truth of His Word. Staying true to Scripture is a battle which each generation needs to fight anew. It is a spiritual battle against the forces of evil. At the end of this service, we will sing Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. The devil seeks to work us woe, but his doom is sure, because one little word shall fell him, the word of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. Paul also speaks about prayer and the need to be constant in prayer on all occasions. And that is what we are taught here in the sixth petition. This long list of the pieces of equipment that God gives to us also helps us in our prayer because then we know what the Lord has given us to help us in the hour of temptation. We need to communicate to our commander-in-chief and ask him for the strength that we need. We cannot succeed on our own, but only through constant contact and communication with our Father in heaven. Be assured that he will listen to our prayers and give us what we need to stand firm in the faith. He will ensure 
that we will not go down to defeat, but will be able to firmly resist our enemies and finally obtain the complete victory. The enemy is crafty and will stop at nothing. But our Lord Jesus Christ has won the victory, and he will see us through if we only rely on him alone. Put on the full armor of God, which the Father has provided, and rest assured that we will be able to prevail if we trust in him completely and live out of the redemption which he has obtained for us. He alone is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we may be part of his army. To him alone belongs the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. He will most certainly hear our prayer and give us everything we need in his service. And so we can finish our prayer to him with confidence, with the Amen that says it is true and certain. Therefore, let us go on our way with rejoicing and resist temptation in God's strength, knowing that we belong to our Savior Jesus Christ alone and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen.